Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike, and today we're excited to have two special guests with us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. I'd like to introduce uh, Jakob Villian of Pink Label Studios and Andrew Wade of A Stroke of Luck. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. You know, I know uh, the big the big thing we want to get to is definitely talking about uh, you. Uh, both of you just came back from the Montesan Savino show, uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's give a little bit of uh, kind of a background your background in the hobby uh, for our listeners. So, uh, Jakob, will you start for us? Sure. Um, yeah. So I I joined via Warhammer, like so many uh, of us did. It seems like in our hobby, you either come from like the Warhammer community or the, I don't know, building other stuff for armies and stuff. Um, uh, so I painted uh, a lot of Space Marines back in the day when I was a teenager and also did some competition. And I also did some commissions for local gaming stores back when I was a teenager. And then I was on pause for many years. And when we moved to community housing, I guess it's called. Uh, a couple of the guys were playing Warhammer and I went st- straight into the Warhammer store and bought uh, some Dark Elders and started painting and I just got fired up with uh, painting again. And then I was just around that Warhammer 40,000 for a while and really enjoyed the painting aspect and did not understand anything about the rules of 40k. <laughs> Tried a couple of games that didn't work. So, and then we've uh, like gradually found out that there was a huge community that had taken the hobby in all sorts of directions back in maybe, I don't know, 14, 15, and then started doing a couple of courses. And one thing led to the no- another, and here I am. That's awesome. Yeah, I understand that whole gaming thing for sure. Yeah, that's the, that's the nature of our podcast. Dan is the gamer, I'm the painter, and so we get two different perspectives. So <laughs> when people start spouting off rules, I'm like, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, uh, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Andrew, how about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a a very similar story, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. Um, but I was actually digging around the memory banks trying to think about this question. And I realized that I had a godparent who got me into uh, military modeling when I was like four or five. And I can remember, uh, it's a very early memory. I can remember that my dad would help me build these really finickety tanks. Uh, and I can remember taking the tank underneath my bed and clipping a piece off the sprue and gluing it myself. And I was so proud of myself back then. But that, other than that, uh, teenage years, Warhammer, then, uh, you know, life happens. And then the similar story, I had a, uh, a friend, uh, well, a colleague actually at university um, who asked, okay, I found these Warhammers in my basement. Where anyone want to play? I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then the, it sort of took off from there. Um, I don't know if you know much about uh, Tomb Kings and the End Times. But there was this, they destroyed the the old uh, Warhammer game and replaced it with AOS. I had bought a bunch of Tomb Kings at that stage, and then the, it was no longer usable. But the advantage of that was um, they become very profitable immediately afterwards because they stopped producing them. And there was a lot of people that wanted them. So I sold all those Tomb Kings and then funded my hobby for the next three years. Nice. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. I, I saw your Tomb Kings online, actually, before we knew each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, after that, uh, I started doing courses uh, like Jakob, and that's actually where Jakob and I met. Uh, yeah. We met in April 
2017, that fateful uh, basement uh, weekend where we, uh, uh, it was a Debus Sopa course, if I remember correctly, and uh, we were learning a lot about composition, but also this uh, glazing, and that was, uh, yeah, that was tough for us, I remember. But that's uh, when Jakob introduced me to Chromonaut, actually, which is our local, um, our local club, which he was talking about earlier, and then, yeah. Yeah. We've more or less uh, intermingled since then. Yeah, uh, it was uh, at Rogue Trader and Chromanaut was sort of a jump from that. Uh, it was like a gaming club that also had a bit of painting and Tua uh, Co. He started the um, the Chromanaut from that. It's totally focused on creative. In the beginning, it was supposed to be more than just uh, like figure painting, but uh, and it is, but it's mostly fig- figure painting now. There was actually a funny story with the David Soper, the first... Uh, the time I met Andrew, he took a picture yeah. of me in a very embarrassing situation. <laughs> as uh, I was showing uh, David Sober my impressive progress on my little Nurgle guy that uh, I was painting. In, uh, and uh, he said, well, the, the, the left side is kind of good. The right side, not so much. And I said, I haven't painted the left side yet. And Andrew <laughs> took a picture as David Sober looked all embarrassed. So that was the first time I met Andrew. I remember that vividly. <laughs> the embarrassment. Oh, <laughs> I, I totally get it. Now, the first question I have for you is I'm really surprised that David Sober used a Nurgle miniature to paint for a class. That's ah. shocking, right? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other, the, but before we get a little more into Chromanaut, talk uh, like talk to me what David Sober a, a, has been a guest on the show. Um, love that dude. So such a mellow individual. What was it like uh, taking a class from him? I'm, I mean, I can't, can't imagine myself. So, so uh, I mean, David's uh, style is he did a brilliant job as a teacher. He's just absolutely stand up guy. I, I'm very big fan of his work. He, he's actually uh, I mean, we'll talk about art and miniature in a, in a while. And he's He's sort of like, uh, I don't know, a Stratovarius violin builder of the miniature world. He's so uh, particular in his style. And I, literally, it's just jaw-dropping to see his, his stuff in real life because they're, they're so good. And it's, it's vastly different from how I paint, but I'm just blown away. And there are like a few people when I see miniatures that I just can't fathom how they do it. David Sober is one of those. Uh, so he's, he's a very good teacher, and he brought us through... Like, he hasn't done that many courses, I think. So we felt very lucky um, to have him do that. And he he introduced us to a lot of different techniques and, like, t- tips and tricks on how to use, like, the tiny beats and stuff like that. But at, at one point, I was like, you have to explain. When you say glazing, I don't think anybody understands what you're talking about because that's not what we think when we hear glazing. And he says, yeah, okay. And he mixed up the different paints and he used, like, a tiny bit of paint and you could not see that there was any paint. And then you did, like five different layers and he said yeah keep going for 10 and then you'll start to see some color on the miniature and you go oh okay that's how you actually do it so he's he's just a world apart from how most people paint and that sort of made it difficult but i learned a lot and it was a very enjoyable experience yeah he also he comes from sort of a design background so it was one of the first times i was learning more about like what contrast really means and what composition really means. So one example was he was talking about contrast and texturing. And that was the the first time I had heard, uh, you can have different contrast and texture, like, okay, it's rough here and then it's smooth here, where I thought contrast just meant like black and white, Uh, but it actually is a much bigger bigger concept. 
Um, yeah, for sure. That's I think wonderful. like it was the first time I had seen such high level paint, like technical painting, just like you, Jakob, uh, where he had his gut rot spume. I don't if if anyone hasn't seen that, to so try yeah. Google uh, David Sopa gut rot spume. It, it it just I couldn't really perceive that a human had painted this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, that was it was quite nice to sort of see like okay here's the upper bar so so all of a sudden my my barriers or my thoughts about where you could be just got broken. I was like okay, let's go further. Yeah, 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 I had the exact same experience. And the fun fact was actually that was the weekend where it broke in customs. Uh, uh, mm. Well, the, the the airport custom dudes just uh, shook his box, and he was uh, he fixed it naturally, mm-hmm. and it looked as good as new. But that was quite horrifying to see a masterpiece like that broken in custom. So wow, it didn't affect yeah, his mood. Crazy. It was a good weekend either way, but that was crazy. Yeah, that's all. That's awesome. You know, there's so many different amazing artists out there, and I'm always curious because a lot of them they all have very different teaching styles you know you have the banshee fire hose method where you just hold up grab the ends of the table and hold on and pray that you can get it then you have the the very methodical Ro- uh, roman class where it's like he's got a he's got a way of doing it in a process and it all makes sense so it's interesting to hear uh different styles of te- teachers now uh, let, talk to me more about chromonaut the the danish painting community that really kind of struck a huge interest in me because i wish we had uh you know, I'm lucky, actually, uh, like Eric Swinson only lives a couple hours from me. Will Hahn only lives mm. a couple hours from me. And so that in that sense, I'm kind of lucky. Um, but it's not often I don't get to see them that often. But um, in the Danish community, it's a much uh, it's a much smaller area to diverse and even say Virginia. Um, but uh, so talk to me about that community. Yeah, Um for me, it's a sort of magical little cosm of creativity. And that's very much what it was like when, when Jakob took me down there. I, I had no idea that there was this thing so close to me with, I know, 10 people coming every Tuesday, uh, all doing display miniatures or, or modeling or sculpting or whatever. Uh, and as some of the people that have been participating in the like Golden Demons, Monte Sansovino, SMC, Duke of Bavaria, all, all of the all of the shows that we know from at least Europe, um, they all been participating in them for years. So it's like a treasure trove of you know awesomeness. <laughs> but I, if I was trying to if I tried to wrap it up into to what it really uh, what it is it it's uh, like Jakob was saying it it's more or less just a a group of people that are very passionate about figure art and most of us are doing painting um all the way from uh army painting all the way up to like high level display painting but we're also doing a lot of modeling um so dioramas and people are doing sculpting like full sculptures and conversions so it's it's sort of uh, the whole spectrum of of miniature art, and we all sort of share this electric um, passion together for it, and that's sort of the thing that would bind bind us together. Oh, I'm Absolutely, so jealous. So jealous. <laughs> I, yeah. I know, I'm I'm jealous too. Just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fa- fantastic thing, and as, I, I hope we get to like brush upon the Dogma Forty Eight. Uh, that is a, a a magical thing that maybe the the peak of uh Chromanaut. but it's it's uh it it's it's uh it's one of those things where you rub off on each other in, in a good way so you basically mm-hmm. learn 
uh, like at one point someone discovered that you can get these uh, awesome tufts from uh, AKA, uh, uh, and uh, everyone started using those. That's like recently, and and they're just so, sort of ex- exploring how can we do that. And there's been like a backdrop uh, period. Then we also sort of uh, on like uh, directly, consciously, and unconsciously learning from each other, and just um, uh, just seeping up this energy. So it's basically, uh, in my opinion, people are doing it for uh the, the, this creative energy just um uh, breeds i don't know if that's the right word but it, it's yeah. like a snowball and uh you <clears> say <throat> oh that looks cool i want to do that and so so we have some of the world's best painters there and we have some Absolutely. newcomers who learn very fast like very very fast who just uh like gold medals at, at monda and um relatively newcomers and basically just uh, seeping up all this energy and soaking up all this energy. Uh, nice. uh, so it's, it's really nice to have a place like that. Um, Brilliant. I, I would, yeah, that, that, that just sounds awesome. Just pay, painting next to somebody. It's just an amazing feeling. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't, every, every time I've had the opportunity to paint with somebody, doesn't matter what level of painter they are. I always feel good you know like it always feels a good i feel an energy and i feel like progress is being made and stuff and so and i hate saying the word level because every you know it's all relative right um it doesn't really necessarily i don't it doesn't really necessarily matter but so before um we get into the the monty stuff uh one last direction i kind of wanted to talk to you all about because you both are very interesting you have both very unique styles from each other um, and I'm kind of curious as to the way you approach projects. And so uh, this time, let's start with you, Andrew. Uh, can you talk to me about what draws you to a project and kind of how you approach, kind of how you approach a project? Yeah. So um, I don't usually start with a model. I usually start with an idea or a concept. Like um, I might want to do uh, a we're seeing quite commonly now is a lot of people doing lunchtime pieces where someone's sitting down for for a lunch break and it's much more calm and, and collective and, and then i might start with that idea and then i might try to okay can i find some miniatures for this and okay i have five potential miniatures and then i'll sort of play you know when you're a kid and you used to play with lego and you didn't follow the instructions you just built stuff that's very much how I approach uh, miniatures. I'll have a lot in front of me and I'll have a concept where like a, a place I want to be. Um, and I'll take, uh, I'll just combine the miniatures, convert them, rearrange them, think about the composition, do a lot of sketches, um, ask other people at Chromonaut, hey, is, does this make sense? Is it a good idea? Uh, should I try something else? What, what, do you, what do you think? And get that feedback early on and, and reiterate it a lot. And I find that that first part where it's just like the brainstorming with my, my toys in front of me, my Lego blocks, that actually takes uh, maybe a quarter of the time for a project. So I spend a lot of time playing around in there. Um, and when I when I sort of solidified it down, uh, like uh, with the actual modeling uh, or the sculpting or whatever I'm doing, um, the converting, then I'll start thinking maybe, okay, what could the colors be? So the, the colors are coming later. Um, I will sort of start with, uh, okay, can I have a black and white sketch here so I can get my value composition down? And, and then I sort of say, okay, what kind of colors uh, are supporting the feeling that I wanted out of the project? 
And uh, at that stage, I would sort of iterate with someone in Chrome on the game because I'm in the brainstorming phase. And then once I get some ideas and I start executing, I'll just have at it and let it sort of run free for a little bit. And then I'll stop, I'll analyze, okay, was what I did actually any good? Um, maybe I'll ask for feedback again and I might reprime the, the thing or I might completely repaint half of it or I'll chop a piece off because it's not really supporting the project or the idea um, or add a figure or, or whatever. Um, and I'll do this sort of like iterative process until I sort of feel comfortable that that is done. Um, so it's, it's a very sort of organic and backwards and forward, but it's always guided by this idea of like, hey, this is roughly where I want to be. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I might try five different ways to get there and only one ends up working or, or whatever, but it's all supported by an idea opposed to a actual figure. Um, that's usually how I approach these things. Okay, well, talk to me a little bit about playtime. So we'll put links to all your paint and putties and stuff up there. But um, one of the, it, you have a lot of unique work on this, but the uh, unique work on your paint and putty page, but playtime always jumps out at me. Uh, it's such a, it, it, yeah, at least that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's actually a uh, Dogma 48 project. I finished it after the Dogma 48. So <laughs> I had, uh, I think I got most of it done in a, in, the, in a weekend. And I had maybe about eight hours after that, that I used to finish it. But this one is, it's literally just me having fun. So I, I'm, uh, it's, it's very, it's, it's not complicated. It's a very simple and honest piece. It's me thinking back to when I was a kid. Uh, I was maybe having, I was having a water fight and I'm imagining me in this like battlefield with, I don't know, I'm a big space Marine and I have my big water pistol and I'm attacking the enemy or something like that. So it's, it's a very basic and visceral, uh, and, um, unrefined, uh, sort of a project where I'm just actually just playing, uh, making a mess using ridiculous colors and, uh, having fun. Hopefully you got some finger painting in into that one too. Uh, I mean, fingers, sponges, uh, you know, just a tube of paint on the, on the background is going and then sort of mushing about a little bit, uh, all the, all the things. Yeah. It's, it's really using palette knives and all sorts. Yeah, that one was really fun to sit next to Andrew and listen to actually, because he had all the noises too. That actually reminds me of a Roman Laplace pro type of project. Like after watching him paint and just throwing, like literally pouring bottles of paint on stuff and moving around with his hands. I'm like, that's actually one of the first things I thought of. I'm like, ah, oh, that's one that Roman sees a like a lot, you know, uh, for sure. But uh, very cool, very cool. Uh, so, the, um, kind of at a, a, at a crossroads with this because I know you wanted to talk about uh, uh, Dogma Forty Eight more, uh, Jakob. Uh, do you want to do that, or do you want to talk about your process and how you approach miniatures first? Um, I can just. Uh, I was just thinking about how we are similar and not so similar, Andrew and me. Well. Yeah. Uh, Andrew is like my go-to guy when I need to analyze stuff that my brain can't figure out. Uh, so okay. there was uh, the one point. Uh, you, at one point, Andrew, you uh, suggested that I'd get a book, and I did get it, and I have read it. Like the uh, it's a cinematographer's guide to composition or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and you said this is fantastic, and I just felt like it was homework because <laughs> <laughs> like my my mind doesn't work like that. So at one point, I get to this where uh, I don't know what is going 
wrong, but I can see that something not working. And I, I ask Andrew and he goes, he stands there for like a few minutes and then go, oh, so what, what is happening is this line and here and this is not working. And maybe if you try and he does all this brilliant stuff that just uh, makes me go, oh, I need that and that and that. And it becomes so much better. But my brain can't really figure it out. I'm a very sort of instinctive, not very analytical. So that uh, that is different in how I approach stuff. My inspiration... Well, I, I should say that it has uh, changed within the last three years. And before that was a completely different. It would be, I have this model and I want to paint it. And I've sort of felt like I was uh, learning still. I mean, I'm learning. Obviously, we're all learning. But at one point, I felt like I was just starting to fly on my own, if that makes sense. I not care so much about, like, that takes a lot of bravery. That's even in your, like, slogan title. But to be able to paint without fear is something that I hear Romans say all the time. But that happened for me maybe, like, three years ago, where I do a project and then worry about how it will be received after I put maybe, like, the last one or before, uh, just about when I finish, I go, oh, people have to see this, actually. So, uh, so it's sort of like I get inspiration from maybe like a song or I see a picture on Instagram, some artwork. I follow a lot of different artists on, on, on Instagram and or, um, you know, just something uh, online or a lot of songs, actually. I get an idea of something, that an emotion. And it might, might start with a miniature or I, I might have the visual, like, I, what can I do with this miniature? Uh, a lot of the stuff I've been doing recently is for Norlus Miniatures, my own little label. And it's basically one of those things where we do, we have this concept called biz art. So we do box art and then alternative where we convert and stuff. And so I do most of those myself. And so I usually think about a miniature and then one thing go, leads to the other and suddenly I have five ideas for that one miniature in different scenes and stuff. So that happens a lot, but it can also just be, sometimes I, I don't have a miniature. I have some idea and that happens a lot, but I, I have the benefit of being able to order the miniatures done. So it, it actually happens. Like with the runners, maybe you've seen them. I did two different mm -hmm. versions of runner. I did that for Dogma 48. And that actually started with, and there was one of the very first ideas. I, I put them online with, the, like, with a dancer, a diver, a runner, and like uh, stuff like that, and say, why don't people make miniatures like that? And I remember Andrew saying, well, you can just you can always just you know get them commissioned. And I figured, like, if you get mm. commissioned, you might as well release them. And that's sort of why Norlius exists. But with the runners, I, I asked the um, the sculptor uh, Stepan Nikolaev to uh make a marathon runner and he said no i don't want to do that that's that doesn't have my interest and i said okay how about we do like the original uh african endurance uh persistence running sort of hunt uh and, and he said yes we'll do that and i convinced him to make one of the miniatures without holding anything in his hand so i could convert it to the original idea i had so, right. <laughs> so, so it was, that was Sneaky. the main purpose of it so in the end it just seemed uh I sort of had to trick him into to making it anyways. So that's right. why I did those two exist. Um, it's so, yeah. I love I love those pieces. I, 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 absolutely. And I've been looking like, you know, there there I have both of your paint and putties up too to ask questions and I'm like, okay, I could I we could do whole shows on each of these pieces that y'all have up here. So I'm trying to pick and choose Thanks. and and think about it, but I definitely uh, we will put your links in the show notes and certainly encourage uh, all of our listeners, if they're not following you already, to, to make sure they're following your work for sure. So, yeah, talk to me about this Dogma 48 thing. 
Yeah, can I start on that one? Because I have this uh, a nice story about this, uh, which is actually Jakob's story. Um, <clears throat> but I'll tell it uh, from the perspective of an outsider. And, I, and it links very much into this this change you were talking about uh, a wee while back, Jakob. So um, one of the first uh, Dogma 48s I went to, um, I didn't really know <clears throat> too much about it, but okay, you, you come and, and you sit down at seven o'clock on Friday and you're meant to finish at seven o'clock on Sunday. Oof, okay. Um, so I'm just going to do the painting over the weekend. No, 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 no. You, you're meant to like build the model, maybe build your diorama on Friday or whatever, do the sculpting and you prime it and you, maybe you have time Saturday and Sunday to do the painting. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, let's give this a go. Um, and uh, I went down and I think there was maybe like 12 of us this time uh, that it that happened and it's like, okay, so we're, we're all gonna try this out. And I've, I've heard that people have succeeded in the past. Great, uh, I'll give it a go. But that, that dogma um, was one that Jakob was with. And I think you spent the entire weekend with your, your headphones in, listening to music, and you were completely focused on the the uh, pink, was it the pink label? Yeah, the pink label Bright, project. Bright pink bookmark. Bright pink bookmark, thank you. Where like you could just see like this guy was in his zone um, just throwing paint on it was oils so it was like very heavy chunks of paint and <clears throat> you did really a heavy eight hour oil project are you insane they don't even dry <laughs> <laughs> no they don't but yeah yeah I mean, so don't 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 touch the stuff and you'll be fine. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it dried afterwards <laughs> but um it, it at that stage, you were sort of like, if I remember correctly, you were sort of like searching for a feeling or you had this this problem that you're, you're processing. You could just see this guy fully focused, devoted to this project over the entire weekend, not really caring about uh, what the outcome was. It was just all the energy was pouring into this project in a very like, uh, not brutal, but like intense way in a very short amount of time so all the energy was being captured by this project and you came out with one of my uh, one of my favorite his favorite projects that he's ever done um which i actually have in my my shelf up there um and it was just sort of like beautiful to to watch this blossom over the weekend and i think like uh it hit you pretty hard at the end of it (laughs) where you sort of allowed yourself to feel reality again um, and come out of that that zone that you put yourself in, but that is what uh, Dogma Forty Eight can bring. Uh, it can bring this really high intensive uh, action packed, or however you want to put it, project that's coming out of it. But it, it's also bringing other things because remember I said there's a bunch of other people there, right? And you're all sort of suffering the same pain of of that that combined deadline, and you're all in there together. So you're sort of you understand what the other people in that room are going through. And, you know, sometimes it gets really intense and stressful. So you, you go over and, okay, how's it going? Or you, you catch a person when they're having a hard time or, or maybe they, they don't know how to solve a problem. So you, you, you come over and brainstorm with a little bit and help them find a solution through this problem um, rather than them giving up. So you, right. you quite often get the solution straight away because there's, there's a lot of knowledge down there and, and there's a lot of brainstorm power down there. And a lot of people have done it many times before. So you can sort of rely on on what's happening. Uh, you can rely on your team to keep you going. 
Um, and then there's also like, you can say, you sort of see infections spreading. Like uh, Jakob was mentioning about this, this Tufts. I think like at one year it was like a jungle basis where like one person started a jungle base and then there was this um, box of, uh, you know, tufts and grass and all sorts of bits and pieces on the table and then other people started making jungle bases and it's sort of like just spread like an infection across the rooms, you know, uh, where you're all just sharing the same gear, you're sharing the same paints, you're sharing the same modeling equipment, or maybe even you're giving your figures and all that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of click the things so you, you get this sort of, um, I don't know, emergent phenomenon. And then at the end of it, you, you line up all your pieces uh, with all the other people that have been there with you suffering for these 48 hours. And you, you feel like, uh, okay, here's my piece. But look what we did, you know. This is collectively what we did together. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a really intense, focused, energetic, um, uh, creative sort of spirit that's it's always evolving in that room for that forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. But and things can go really wrong. But you always have other people there to to catch you, so you're safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it goes completely wrong. You're still part of it. You're still part of this creative process with the others. Um, and if it went really wrong, it was only during the weekends as well. Um, so it's this sort of really weird, unique uh, event um, where it's just uh, you feel exhausted afterwards, right? You can just imagine. I usually have to take yeah. the Monday off because I can't work after that. <laughs> uh, but I, I think I've been rambling on a little bit. So maybe, That's Jakob, okay. I'll, I'll pass it to you so you can sort of bring it back around and, and make a nice uh, a through point here. Yeah, I don't know if I can do that. I can pretty much just echo <laughs> everything you said. I, 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 what always amazes me is, like you say, that uh, if it goes wrong. But it, it hardly ever goes wrong, though. I mean, sometimes people need the final 5% and they have something that wasn't working. But they almost always create artwork. And that's really amazing to see. Also, like, complete new guys who only paint uh, army painters, uh, army painting in their spare time, like Warhammer stuff, they create beautiful stuff during those 48 hours. And so it's one of those things where you can be brave and you have someone helping you if you get stuck, preferably in the beginning, because someone, uh, like, people get pressured throughout the, uh, the, the weekend to finish. I do endurance sports and it, it occurred to me last time that it's very similar. Like you get emotionally and physically drained from having mm-hmm. that much focus that long. So you sort of just collapse when the hour is seven on Sunday. It's just <laughs> done. <laughs> and it's it's correct. You line that stuff up and you go, I can't believe we all did that in just uh, the weekend. And everyone has created something really gorgeous. And but it's it's uh, it's one of those things. It's quite unique because it, it's one of those creative bubbles where you feel safe to do something you've never tried before. And people basically they sort of have to balance not being too ambitious so they can finish, but also not just not being safe. So if you be safe, then it won't work. So you basically have to sort of uh, not push yourself, but uh, get out of your comfort zone in some way for it to be effective. And also, it's just one of those things where you start with a shot of D- Dino's grappa that we got from Monte, and there are certain music that you put on at certain points, and Don't it tell is them. absolutely <laughs> beautiful. So I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. It's uh, one of those things that there are not that many spots. So and because there are not that many spots, and uh, like uh, the demand is really high, then we always have to be re- really. Uh, 
uh, focused for when it uh, when it becomes available. So there's like an as a, uh, like a text messaging uh, chain that goes, oh, it's online. You have to get it. So right. and it fills up pretty fast. But usually it's it's possible if you want to get a spot, you can. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's just fantastic. How often does it happen? Twice a year. It's uh, in February and August, always like that. Um, so the next one is in February. So, All right. Uh, so if you if you guys are doing it again, we'll have to check in afterward. Like we'll have to check yeah. in Sunday, Sunday night at seven thirty and see how you're doing. You know. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's actually pretty cool. But uh, pieces that are made during those forty eight hours, they always almost always do really well at competition, even on master levels, like competing against oh, stuff nice. that because it's uh, it's basically. Um, uh, you create something that is emotionally driven and you have to sort of kill your darlings and figure out how to do something effectively, right? Um, mm -hmm. If you have only 48 hours available to you, you cannot like obsess over how to do NMM on an axe or something. You have to make it work in a shorter amount of time and that makes that drives you to think about the story and the emotion and the overall impact. And that uh, creates something that's much more effective uh, because keeping focus throughout a project that you span out over maybe three months is really hard. Yes. Uh, so doing it over 48 hours is something I think people react really heavily to. So it's amazing to see someone doing that for 48 hours and like really deserving a gold medal at Monte Masterclass. That's like, uh, I still can't believe that happens, but that happens a lot. You kind of, um, I mean, I think it's important to think about timescales here, because as you say, if you take three months to do a project that's about some really passionate situation where, I don't know, someone's yelling, uh, throwing a, a throwing axe or whatever at the enemy or something like that, that that, that is a really like passionate and involved um, scene, like guy, like maybe this fire and everything, and he's got blood in his eyes and all that kind of stuff. But then you take three months to sort of gently make that happen. Mm -hmm. It's not really, it's not mirroring the the emotion or the effect that you're trying to achieve, which is like, I'm yelling in your face right now. You have half a second to live, kind of a thing, you know. <laughs> right. So, so capturing it on that much smaller scale, and you capture the energy that that uh, and the way that you're thinking actually. Like the mindset is always there of, I want to make this guy look like he's trying to attack someone or something like that. It, it's much easier to capture that than if you try to do it over like three months, mm -hmm. right? Because if I guarantee you the, maybe you have this amazing idea at the big, like the first hour, but I bet you, you can't actually put your mindset in the exact the same way as you were in the first hour at the end of those three months, unless mm -hmm. you have like some, uh, maybe a song could trigger you. Or something like that to put you back in the mindset but it's, it's very unlikely so you end up with a, a project that at its core is confused with itself mm -hmm. it, it, it's interesting that you talk about it that way too because i find that when i do a project and it's definitely if it's got like kind of an emotional core of it the bulk of like the colors are there within the first two days right and mm -hmm. almost everything after that is just refining you know, like even if it's 30 more hours of work on it, it's all just refining. But the basic idea is already sketched out and everything. 
And I feel like that's sometimes why I lose momentum and stuff because I've already, I've already poured the emotion in. Now I'm doing the detail shit and it just gets, you know, it's where you kind of can get bogged down uh, on that stuff. So that makes a lot of sense. Why the, the shot now, does anybody sleep at all during the 48 hours or are you? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's super important. Yeah. I think the first yeah. one I got like five hours sleep in, in both nights and it, yeah. it trashed me. So I realized, yeah. okay, prioritize eight hours sleep each night and you'll be way more effective and way more efficient. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. 20 hours of good painting is better than 70 hours of bad painting. I mean, exactly, it's just not yeah. the, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's pretty it's, awesome. I love this stuff here. Yeah, about it's, all these a, it's something like Saturday is probably like from 10 o'clock until three in the morning. It could mm-hmm. be something like that. And then Sunday you arrive at eleven ish, something like that. So it's it's quite a lot of painting. You you do a long stretch of painting, um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like I said, uh, kids are starting to come home. <laughs> um, all right, so we, now that now that my, my, my I'm starting to get noises in the background, I'm going to do something to let you guys talk for it to, uh, for completely. Let's get your impressions of this year of Monty. And, and uh, I also want to hit on, uh, Jakob, you had mentioned something about uh, uh, the American style of painting, et cetera, sure. um, that I wanted to get into more about, uh, yeah. more with you. So I'll just, I'm just going to throw the prompt out there and you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So um, we can talk about uh, Monte. Monte is uh, absolutely fantastic. I cannot re- recommend it enough. Uh, this year we had the, uh, pleasure of receiving a lot of people from the U.S. Uh, who had never seen it before, and it was really interesting to see Monte through their eyes, sort of to feel their passion and excitement. Because you sort of go, "Yeah, this is awesome." Because we, we uh, this is my third <laughs> time there, but you can basically just see this is amazing. You're in this medieval city. It's like a castle, and it's, uh, it's fantastic. And you have beers in this place and there's all this great art and all these great artists collected in one place and so and that's how we yeah it's tiny it's tiny and it's one of those things that probably should move to a bigger place because it's too tiny really but that gives to the energy of it it's uh it's it's you can go in for half an hour and look at miniatures and then you need to go out to breathe because it's so small and there are so many people but that's uh part of the enjoyment really uh, Monte is fantastic. It's uh, it's such high level. It's every time you we we talk about going to Monte, it's uh, we look forward to this weekend of well, it's it's many things, but it's basically looking at the fantastic miniatures. But the, what's unique about it is that it's such a silly, fun, uh, cozy experience where you meet uh, the world's best painters and they're the your best friends during that weekend. There are hugs and there are drinks and chats and uh throughout and it's fantastic like this year i got to meet a lot of people that i had never actually seen in real life like my friend kyle from canada kyle maitland and that was was just fantastic i've been talking to him for i don't know four years or something i don't know and we talk very regularly about our pieces and stuff like that and just seeing him in real life is fantastic and also all the americans coming over that i'd never seen before that's fantastic so uh yeah it's had you great... met Will and Will in person before Monty or was... no? I had not. I had not yeah. met, met him before, but we chat regularly as well. So I actually met him on the stairs, and then I go, "Will," and he looks up at me and goes, 
who are you? And I say, I'm Jacob. Oh, Jacob. <laughs> because we never <laughs> see each other in real life. So it's one of those things. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, we actually get to spend a lot of time with Will, but uh, he's, uh, I haven't met really anybody that full of energy and enthusiastic yeah, and amazing. hardworking at the same time. I mean, he's dude just doesn't stop working, yeah. you know, working hard. So it's great that you got to meet him. For yeah. Sure. And, and also, I mean, you, you, as I mentioned to you, it was fantastic to see the different uh, types of painting, the styles of painting. And I had a lot of thought about that whilst I was there and also afterwards that it's so different and I can't figure out why. Uh, like the Americans uh, models, I had not seen that much of in real life. And it's just so bright and it's so saturated and so brilliantly done as well. Like... Uh, Eric's is just mind-blowing and yeah it's yeah it's just fantastic to see and it I had to ask uh, Eric for example like do you use other colors than me because I I don't understand what, how can you get it to that result uh and you basically because you're surrounded by like I said with the chromanol we rub off on each other in a good way uh but there's also a certain style like um uh, from different nationalities that are very like I can probably tell you when I see a new piece if I don't know the painter if it's from like Spain Italy uh, Eastern Europe uh, Russia or Scandinavia or something like that I can probably I'm not sure but it's like the the, the types of colors the, the the warmth in the skin and stuff like that it's just different from from and like the Russian, the, the tiny patterns that probably originates from like doing uh, uh, like painting on ceramics and stuff. I don't know. Uh, they're like uh, different traditions that uh, that are embedded in us than we put into our miniatures, but also just the different, that is my theory anyways, the different lights that we see uh, mm. in the and colors culture. chosen. Yeah. And so it's basically being in that one place where you see chunks of um, people's work and then could see how different it is it's just a cultural clash in a really beautiful way yeah, yeah and, and P eric is just like on a rocket ship right now i don't yeah, the, yeah. every time i see his, yeah. a piece of his it's like 20 times better than the last one and you're like how the fuck was that possible yeah right how did how did it go you know what i mean like what the leaps and jumps and yeah it's uh, fantastic to watch yeah, he's, a, he's a brilliant dude too i love talking to him he's a nice super nice guy as well yeah so but that that's all i'm glad i that's that's very interesting because I, I actually it's something dan and i were talking about too is that it feels like uh in contrast between kind of european artists and american artists that it does feel like americans do push more towards more saturated colors and then you're like a, i know um one of the big things that there's a group on the part of called the National Capital Model Soldier Society, and it's a lot of historical painters um, that are part of it. And they definitely talk about uh, the difference in painting, like they, they call it the Spanish style skin, uh, skin tones and the, like, cause you know, it's much darker shadow, deeper, darker shadows than like necessarily an American uh, historical Americans paint, et cetera. And so it's, it's, it's interesting to see how it kind of flows across different, uh, Maybe we don't do it purposely, but we kind of do it by default, like influence each other's styles of painting in our in our geographic location. You know, it's kind of interesting. Well, how was how was uh, Monty for you, uh, Andrew? Uh, 
Monty is is something I've done since I was born, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, <laughs> I think actually my my first time in Monty was 2017, and um, <clears throat> uh, I was more or less forced to go to Monty. Uh, one of our local guys, uh, Tua Kai, is a yeah legendary painter for I don't know. 30 something years now he's been around a long time he knows a lot and he knows a lot of people but uh, he was very very pressing that I, that I should go um, and I, my opinion was why the heck would I go to a competition that sounds like the dumbest thing ever because I'm doing this for myself I'm having fun why do I want to tell someone that my, why do I want someone to tell me that my fun is bad you know <laughs> like, <laughs> go away <laughs> Um, but but he kept saying, "Oh, Andrew, it's like this this little town in the, in the middle of nowhere." Okay, why do I want to go to a town in the middle of nowhere? It has really great food. Okay, great food, and it's mm-hmm. just like the whole town is uh, descended and taken over by people that actually think the same way and like doing exactly the same stuff as you, and they all want to talk. Okay, now now I'm kind of like understanding a little bit. And yeah, there's also a competition, but mostly it's just so you can show each other the stuff that you've done over the past year. So you show each other stuff so you can sort of like, I don't know, get uh, get inspiration and share ideas and um, maybe inspire some other people. Okay, this is sounding good. Hmm. And that's it. That's exactly what Monty is uh, for me. And it, it, it was the same this year. It was actually beautiful that um, when we arrived, uh, we, we fly to Rome and we take a two-hour car ride up and then we go up this mountain up to Monty. We parked the car, got our suitcases. We walked to this little square where everything happens. There's a little uh, cafe, tiny little cafe. It's on a corner. I sat down, immediately started talking to someone I saw three years ago. You know, it, it was fine. Got my coffee and away we were. It was like being at home. It was like being with family. So that's, it's, I mean, I'm super biased, <laughs> so you're only ever going to get that opinion from me. Yeah, there's great miniatures there. You typically see the best miniatures from the from from the year usually. Um, yeah, and it's just really inspiring a a very like electric kind of environment where where everybody is 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 ready to talk or wanting to talk. And it's also a little bit weird because our hobby is um, very introspective. We spend a lot of time by ourselves doing this thing. Yes. And most of us are introverts because it's a hobby that sort of matches that to some extent. And then all of a sudden we're like super social for four days and a weekend. Right. <laughs> Where we're talking, you know, it's quite a strange, uh, a strange environment to be in. Right. Okay, I think I just you, rambled right? again. <laughs> no, it's okay. That, that's exactly what yeah. it is, though. It, it when you get together with a group of like-minded people that have the same focus, passion. It you know I think it makes everybody comfortable, and so they the reasons why somebody's an introvert are kind of thrown out the door when they're basically with a couple hundred people that are just like that that have the same you know passion as them. So it's it, it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, when when they said COVID lockdown, I was like, hell yeah, you know, I can I can sit in my basement and nobody's gonna bother me. You know, I don't have to go and see anybody. That's wonderful. You know, but like. When I when I go to ReaperCon and stuff, I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm a very different person, you know. I'm like out there. I'm like, oh, I want to meet everybody and see everybody, you know, because it's like a uh, that one's a little bit different than uh, the gaming conventions, is because, um, like, if you were to go to the Nova Open, 
they kind of have a tiny painting area. And I know Adepticon has a place where people paint under Fort Wapple, but it's still kind of small. But when you go to ReaperCon, you walk into this uh, ballroom that's got 50 tables with 10 people at every table. And they're all, oh, that sounds fantastic. You it's know, there's like five, 500 people painting in a room and then you can walk over and there's an artist alley. Uh, you can go talk to the instructors because they give them a place to sit and everything. And so, which is you really weird being on that. Yeah. That, that is something we don't have here in Europe, not, not mass painting like that. So that yeah. that's sounds pretty awesome. Uh, I'd yeah. like to try that. Yeah, Reapercon is well. I, 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 you know, I, I learned. Um, I went two years ago, um, and I'd been going. Like, I started back in the hobby, and you know, I did it in high school, and then I came back to it a bazillion years later when my son found my box of Space Marines in the basement. Um, and uh, I started twenty seventeen is when I got back in the hobby, and uh, it, it, I had been going to the Nova Open. And then Nova Open kind of went away for a couple of years because of COVID. And so I tried ReaperCon. It's going to be tough to get me back to the Nova Open. It's just not, I'm mm. not a gamer. And so I'm in, I'm going into an environment where I just look out and there's so many people painting and sharing ideas. My I mean, it's, people. <laughs> yeah, right. That is exactly what I, what I think. And it, what's ridiculous about it is that people actually bring their full painting setups. And so like, like people literally will have a table there and they'll set, all their paint racks up and they got all their projects and they'll sit there and paint. And some of them don't do anything else for the four days, except sit there and paint and talk to friends. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> whatever floats your boat, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but for, uh, for sure. Um, covered money. Um, have you guys ever ventured to the U S for or like an Adepticon or anything? You know what? So I think was it 2020 that Adepticon stopped the Crystal Bush? Yeah. Yeah. So I was making a project to go to Crystal Brush in mm -hmm. 2020, and then I, I learned uh, Crystal Brush was no longer, and right. then COVID hit, so <laughs> I never made the trip over. Um, right. Yeah. But I talk uh, like like Jakob. We well, we have this Discord that we actually talk a lot with the American um, the American painters, some of the American painters, and. Uh, I talk a lot with uh, Meta Pedro, for example, as well. Oh, and yeah. I, I've been wanting to go over there and and you know do the culture exchange and spend some time and actually paint with people because you can mm -hmm. learn a lot from uh, painting with people and it's just a nice way to connect with someone as well. Uh, but but no, I haven't been able to make the the trip over. Uh, I'm hoping a new uh, competition comes uh, maybe in the next couple of years where I can use that as an excuse. Right, right, yeah, definitely to get, yeah, it, uh, switching it to a demon while that's kind of cool at one level kind of is a, it's a downer, you know, for people like me that had just gotten in the hobby, you know, I'll never be able to compete at the Crystal Brush because it went away before I, I would even consider putting a piece in, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so that's, that, that's a bit of a bummer. It's interesting you mentioned Matt, I love, he's, he's like Mr. Smooth, like a lot of, over here he's kind of considered like the master of the smooth blend, which is true because that dude's, his blends are so smooth uh, and he's a super nice guy. Uh, but uh so did my, okay. Now here, here's an interesting one for both of you. And uh, it, it doesn't matter who starts out with this. One of the things I like to ask uh, a guest, um, is there a model out there that hasn't been made? And now this isn't really fair in context uh, of Jakob because he could just call and have it made now. Um, is there something that you would like to pay, like have made that hasn't been made yet? I typically give 
the example of the characters from Stephen King's Dark Tower. I would like to see the content created. Um, what about y'all? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> that happens all. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's yeah. like uh, yeah, I'm really interested in contemporary stuff, and so it's it's not like a civilian bystander in a war, but contemporary stuff. So it's it's something that uh, has an atmosphere and an emotion. Like uh, it can be anything. Uh, uh, the other day we talked uh, about doing uh, my, my friend Kyle and me about doing like someone taking a selfie, and you could place that in different stuff, and that doesn't exist, but that could be awesome. Uh, so oh, that uh, would be an awesome painting contest to have a miniature yeah, like that, have people yeah. buy it, and then yeah. uh, okay, do the selfie. Like where are they right. taking a selfie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very cool, and. Um, yeah, so that that might sound weird and out of context, but I thought of a while about doing a like a miniature of someone who is obviously making love, no genitals or anything like that. But that could be really interesting to display love like that, and mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't exist either. Uh, that I couldn't find a sculptor who was willing to do that. <laughs> Anyone listening, call me up. Yeah. Help. That's still a very good idea. But yeah. uh yeah. Have you tried you an American sculptor? I mean we have no no limits over here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh so yeah, that, that happens all the time that I have some 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 idea uh that and it, I have a really hard time communicating it. So I collect images of I would lo- love something like this, like this really cool guy sitting in an armchair that doesn't exist and and people look at it and go yeah okay we can do that but can i first do a chinese man playing a flute and they go yeah sure but can we get to the <laughs> other stuff afterwards you know so uh it's just really hard to communicate exactly what i'm looking for and it could also be miniatures that you can place in anything like the tiny miniature marie lefleur from uh, Roman oh, yeah. you remember that one that yep, is yep. out of print at the moment. Uh, mm. That doesn't exist anymore. But that really sucks because that was a brilliant miniature. I've used that twice. And I would love to have 10 more because every once in a while I get an idea. Oh, I could have used that. And I don't have those. So his astronauts was, were cool. But I made the, I, I got I, I did that one right. I actually ordered six of the Maria. Did yeah. When I bought it. Because I, 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 I knew I knew me. Yeah. And I knew um, I had so many ideas when that first came out because I did it where there was two. I think it's on the Instagram. They were looking at it, two girls looking at each other. I remember it. It's really good. Oh, I like that one a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, it's called The Thing She Sees. And uh, so um, mm. I kept breaking the ankles, like yeah. getting it off of the little thing i i kept breaking her at the ankles and so i'm like thank god i bought six of these you know <laughs> so i have like a bunch of them that are i still have four of them that are broken at the ankles that i could play with later <laughs> yeah well thank you yeah. for saying that guys. They're, yeah. re- they're really really good uh, miniatures those ones uh that you can place in different situations and uh, basically i would love to produce miniatures that you could do that with but i have a hard time like imagining what exactly they are like mm-hmm. the Marie mm-hmm. Lefleur was really brilliant, and I loved his astronaut idea. I just didn't like the aesthetics of it. I couldn't really. Right. I did one of those, and uh, I bought another one, but I couldn't. I, it's it's just not me. So yeah. Uh, but it was a brilliant idea, and people have done so much beautiful art with it. But that just wasn't for me. So yeah, sorry that was a long rant, but yes, that's okay. Plenty Perfect. of time. Excellent, excellent. 
Right, yeah. Now it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I have a similar problem to uh, to Jakob because, like, as, we, as you maybe heard earlier, we're we're usually thinking of ideas first rather than miniatures. Mm-hmm. So, so like, uh, if you ask me now what I what I want, and you ask me a minute from now, it's probably going to be a different thing, right? Because the ideas are, you know. Um, but if I was to try, if I was trying to generalize it. Um, I definitely also want more contemporary stuff because I, I sort of have this thing that, that I, a lot of the work that I do and a lot of the work that I collect, like I buy from other people, is with the intention of not showing it to other miniature artists. It's actually to show it to general public mm-hmm. because I, I, I have the silly idea that like it could be a, you know an art that people could consume and they could actually react to the projects that we have. Not a silly idea. It actually happens. It works. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, so, so stuff that is a little, uh, miniatures are a bit more open to to general audience. Um, so that typically means a little bit more contemporary or a bit more abstract. But right. if I was to try narrow it down even further, um, I like to play a lot of composition games and I like figures. And at the moment, some of the stuff that we have uh, mostly now is just a figure standing. And there's not much composition with that. You might as well chop the legs off because it doesn't really mean anything. It's just like a tube going up and down, right? So if right. you had more figures that are like sitting or leaning over a table or crawling or, I don't know, like uh, stretching in an unusual way or or like um, twisting their, their torso to like look behind them or, or something like this, stuff with a little bit more than just a, a person or a concept art standing still. Um, that, that's definitely something I, I think we could benefit a lot from. Uh, other, th- other than that, if I was, I could say line decker. I, I think line decker paintings could make great miniature art. Um, <laughs> that, that, that would be my choice at this immediate second. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. You know, and speaking of that, you know, Matt has a show in Washington <laughs> state right now. So yeah, definitely the, the nature of what we're doing, I feel like is growing. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely how it's reaching out into uh, different different venues, especially with stuff like you did, like the painter's journey. Mm-hmm. I think people just are just kind of blown away between the, the palette and the night. And I think it's called the painter's journey. Um, something along those lines. That's that's that, that's amazing. So let's do let's do this question because I missed this before. Um, are there a particular artist that. Uh, you look to for inspiration whether it doesn't have to be miniature art but like what i say that you're probably going oh my god there's so many who's a, what is the first artist that comes to your mind i mean it's that's really hard to uh, i mean there are artists that when <laughs> i see their pieces i go that's brilliant nearly every time uh they're for sure those um uh, I I rarely look for inspiration. It, the funny story was that I I bought a model from Kirill. Uh, you have to, uh, and right. you don't have to, but that's like a dream for a lot of people just to have the ability to look at his stuff in real life, right? Uh, right. So I wrote him up and said, "So what do you have?" And he, has, he says, "I have nothing," <laughs> because everyone he, he says everything to <laughs> collectors. Yeah, exactly. And I go, okay, cool. can can you paint me something? He says, okay. I'm, at the minute, minute, I'm sort of at the moment I'm painting uh, the one that he taught a class on textures. So he has this. Uh, we call him the, Mr. Sassy. Actually, he's like uh, the pilot standing. Uh, right, it's really right. cool. Uh, and uh, I said, okay, that that's brilliant. He can do a lot of different stuff and I can appreciate his style and whatnot. Mm. And he goes, yeah, that, that would also be great for 
uh, like learning. You could you could use it for learning different techniques, and and that didn't occur to me at all. It's just appreciating his stuff, you know. It's mm-hmm. just really fantastic. I had had no intention of like studying it in order to learn. That might happen as a sort of positive side effect, but it's just to appreciate his work. So there are mm-hmm. plenty of of um, artists that uh, when I see their stuff. I they give me inspiration as a positive side effect, but I just appreciate their work for for being awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so the, uh, an idea might sort of spin from that, but uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty much vague usually. Mm-hmm. I, there can be okay, there can be like people if I want to really like study NMM, I would know which artist to approach. Also, Kiro usually, but oh, right, uh, yeah. But there might be stuff like that. If I used, like, I would know if if I was going to study how people do leather, then there would be. I look at uh, Magnus Feyerbeer's, uh, Magnus mm-hmm. Feyerbeer, his stuff, uh, or something like that. Um, or Kirill's again. <laughs> well, what about what about non miniature artists? So like uh, two dimensional paint or other art styles or art mediums, I'll say. Yeah, but that's also random as well. It's random. also like I see uh, on Instagram, I there many many people i i follow and then they do recommendation on other stuff and there might be something like the other day i saw uh a, a photographer who took fi- uh, photos in different lighting situation i thought oh that'd be awesome and then there was one where they had like paint running down face and i thought i would love to do that and immediately thought of the whoa miniature from muyen park uh, yeah, I can link to it, but it's beautiful, <laughs> really, really sad. It's basically a sad woman. It's actually uh, done on a photography from a Ukrainian refugee from 2015 in the Donbass region. That's horrible oh, wow. at the moment, but uh, that's where, where it originated from. And I thought that would be really cool to have like a pouring paint like run down her face. And then I thought about a song lyric that was perfect for it. And then sort of that idea spun from that. So it all started with this picture of a black woman with paint running down in different colors. I thought that was beautiful. So mm-hmm. stuff like that, that's pretty much how usually it happens for me. Well, I, I can appreciate the pour in paint. You've seen the logo, right? The pa- paint on a model. <laughs> the paint all over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Andrew, what about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, then... I would sort of try to grasp inspiration from all over the place and just sew things up and, and combine random stuff together. That's sort of part of the, the creative uh, approach I take. But uh, I actually have specific things that are specific, specific 2D artists and sculptors and miniature artists I always go back to to sort of study and refresh myself and maybe learn some more from. So uh, I can actually answer this one. <laughs> and it is my, my my personal preference right and it's r- totally reflected by my experiences there are, you could replace some of these names easily with many other names but this is just uh, my situation so for um canvas uh it's line decker i already mentioned that right. i love line decker's composition and yeah the, the way he works with brush strokes and color um soroya or yeah soroya is is absolutely just like uh uh, earlier this year, I had the privilege to go to the Soroyer Museum, and like I was, I was crying. <laughs> it's it's like a, a religious experience for for me. Uh, I love that stuff because it sort of speaks to me. Uh, it speaks to my eyes and the way I perceive the world. Um, I also was really lucky uh, coming the back of uh, Monty. Uh, I, we had a day in Rome, 
and I went to the Borghese Museum. Yeah, I saw the pictures of that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there, there are the ben, uh, sorry, the Benini sculptures are there, and they are just incredible to see in real life. And and you sort of, I feel, I mean, I feel a little bit bad that you have these other sculptures around them because you have the Benini, which is like beautiful composition works in all angles there's always something interesting to see it's just uh, well super well designed and executed and then you have some other sculpture and you're like oh there's no comparison <laughs> it's in the same room right. it's, it sucks for them right. but uh, bernini is like amazing for sculpture and then uh for that, um, that, that's how i feel when i put my minis in a contest you know, I'm like, ah, crap. Why did I put mine next to that? Damn it. Now I look like a third grader. You know? <laughs> We're all in our journey. Yeah. <laughs> Funny story, actually, at the Duke of Bavaria, I think it was 2018, uh, Kirill won Best of Show with his uh, Demeter, the um, the vampire that has this bright orange underlight and bright orange eyes. And right. They had to remove that model from the shelf when they're doing the judging because everyone sort of just gravitated to that. <laughs> so there was no way to, to yeah. judge anything else if the Kiro model was on that. So, oh, so they had to take it away. Otherwise, we can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Two years in a row at ReaperCon, I've done kind of tiny dioramas. And the dioramas that have won best in show there have been like, you know, one two years ago, it was Aaron Lovejoy, Voldemort on like in this whole book you know downstairs massive mm -hmm. thing this year it was this probably the largest godzilla i've seen in person done and my little time like the year before i did it in a champagne glass i had a champagne glass which had my money and this one was like a this year was a little box frame right diorama because i was doing a 3d zombie movie poster thing and they for some odd reason my pieces keep getting moved right next to these massive like things like the little girl diorama that I did mm. was next to the great unclean one on like this massive, it was next to Sam Lenz's one that won best, which is the other thing I'm like telling people, I'm like, if my diorama gets moved next to yours, you're a shoe in for best. <laughs> show, right. Um, but like I do, I kind of have a tendency to do tinier dioramas and they just keep getting, I think the other thing it was next to was like these four Imperial Knights battling. And I'm like, Th those things look like they crapped my little, <laughs> you know, it's not fair. Don't put it next to it. Anyways, I, I apologize. I digress. So uh, which one do you want to do first, uh, Jakob? Do you want to talk about the Wanderer or do you want to talk about art versus crap? Uh, so th no, the, the Wanderer it was basically just a comment on, um, uh, on, on what we look for in miniatures and, and creating mm -hmm. your own and sort of uh, the way of telling stories. Well, we can so that sort of doesn't doesn't fit the, the topic anymore. I suppose we're not recording. We're, oh, you'll cut this. We're out. not organized. Yeah. We're we're never organized and go back and forth, yeah. so it doesn't matter. So let's talk about the craft versus you know art and miniatures yeah. versus the craft. Yeah, so so with um, what's uh, basically there's a lot of stuff happening in the miniature world at the moment, and there are some people uh, pushing towards more oxy stuff, and it's really really good. There's um, uh, and some are at Chromanaut, and it's fantastic to see um, the, the the sort of um, the bravery to to go in other directions, uh, but. I also find it a bit curious that uh, sometimes you hear this that the the miniature world is not art; it's it's craft, and and I feel that's such a strange discussion and to state mm -hmm. it like that. 
And I wonder why sort of a there's a sort of a, a hesitancy to bridge into calling it art because I totally get that some of the stuff is just the craft stuff. If you take Kirill's stuff, it's that's uh, much of the stuff is is crafty, but I don't want to write it off as as that because it, it's really hard to say unless you're doing a model where you say I only want to learn to do freehand on this model uh, or something like that. Then what you're doing is art. It's it's right. it's it's such a strange thing. And I have an example of it. He did this um, one of my favorite models of all times is the Sir Nicholas the Unclear. I think it's a fantastic model. If you don't know it, look it up on Potty and Paint. And I, <laughs> I, I usually use this as an example when you do this discussion of art versus craft in our miniature world because that sort of exemplifies it. Because on the one hand, it's basically a really nice painted model. You have a perfect rep representation of the materials. The blue cloth is beautiful. The NMM is mind-blowingly good. But it also has uh, another layer that if you look for it or if you're open to uh, it being art, then it has a lot to offer. It's basically right. it has a shield with that should have sort of given it. Uh, but if, you, if not in the title, then it, the shield has a dude with giant balls and uh, it, that's sort of odd. And then it I has a, say a that scratch is down. <laughs> yeah. And then it has a scratch down his face and even the model itself has the scratch and there are all these tiny hints that the painter has a lot to say with this model. Mm -hmm. And that is really interesting because the, I, to me, the whole point of the model is basically to say that you're not paying attention, th right. that I'm doing something and uh, you are not uh, understanding what I'm trying to portray. That's sort of my interpretation of it. And that sort of makes it ironic if you look at Kirill's stuff and say what he's doing is craft, not art, because that's the whole point of the model, really. So to me, anyways. Anyways, it's just... Um, I also, I remember uh, Banshee did a comment on one of Andrew's pieces. Andrew is a brilliant artist. Sorry you're here. I have to say it out loud. You are you do amazing <laughs> art and uh and and uh, and uh benji was right when he said uh this is art but what he said was finally art and i remember in the comment that i was like okay <laughs> it's beautiful art but lots of people do art in in miniatures there it's present everywhere if people do a perfect portrayal of an emotion even in a fantasy setting that, that's that's art and to me anyways so mm -hmm. uh it's basically I, when you do something that is emotion, storytelling, and something that is not with the purpose of learning or with the purpose of getting likes on Instagram-ish. And you mm -hmm. do something that is has something to say, basically. And that's a lot. Right. That's most if you basically dive into um, uh, paying attention and, and putting in the effort, really. Right. I have a, a, a lukewarm sort of perspective on this because like sometimes it's just a, a matter of uh, who is um, observing the model, who is uh, who is the viewer of the model mm -hmm. because it, it's so often you can just walk past models and disregard them as, uh, okay, that's just someone has done some models. That's very nice. But at different times, you're actually ready to, to sit down with one of these models and actually look at it. And then you start perceiving it as art. So the same person can go from this is just a, a painted model on a table to wow what's going on here oh this is something there's something else going on here I'm, I'm getting you know my neurons are exploding or whatever and and it can actually be that the pe person who's producing the model 
might say it's art, someone receives it as not being art, but it could also be that they're they're saying, no, this model is all about craft. But then there's a viewer that sees it as art. Mm-hmm. So like it, it's, it's like one of the, the most extremely subjective uh, topics. It's point in time. It's, it's, it's the point in time dependent. It's how it's displayed dependent. It is person dependent. Yep. I don't know. It, it, it's it's very hard to sort of bother defining it for me. I'm very okay with people saying it's craft. And I also sometimes see, uh, I see stuff as craft as well. I also see a lot of my own work as craft. Um, but I, I'm not really interested in saying like, hey, you, this is this is art you have to perceive this as art. What I might say is, hey, if you looked at it this way, then maybe you might like learn something or, or uh, feel some sort of nostalgia back to when you were a kid, some memories getting sparked, or maybe it makes you think about a concept in a different way. And then if it's up to the person to take that step and start looking at it that way. It's their choice. Uh, it, this is how I see it in my mind. Sure. Um, yeah. So. I'm very fine just putting it out there, displaying it in a way I think it is art, and then letting people perceive it and making the choice for themselves. Sure, I want to say you're right. That might have been a bit like uh, uh, insisting on it, but it's just like uh, I feel that it should right rightfully be more than just we're just painting like uh, A to B miniatures and following guides and stuff. So there's a lot going on, and I sort of just feel like giving credit to all the brilliant painters who put their heart into uh, painting miniatures. You know, and he, can I, I just want to throw this out there and let me see what you guys think about it. I, I think I debated with my wife for a long time about this because she, you know, she had never seen the hobby or only knew it from a little bit of a gaming perspective because she's a, has four older brothers. Um, and so my whole thing to her is that when we were talking about it was doesn't the subjective nature of it all in and of itself, whether you say the word craft or art, doesn't it, that subjective nature make it art, right? Because calling it craft is an interpretation. Calling it art is an interpretation. Art in and of itself is always an interpretation because two people look at the same piece and think different. Get the, like, I guarantee my wife and I look at a painting and we're both, we're not even in the same ballpark as our interpretation of it. Right. And so, um, I guess, I, I guess I, I, I don't know why craft is an, in and of itself is an art because some of the craftsmanship and the craft work that I've seen is art, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's me, like, I guess, um, I, I, I've kind of moved, um, I used to have this mentality of like, okay, the tabletop painters are there, right? And they do, they have a function and they paint, they paint functional stuff. But I've also seen the tabletop painters that take their time. It's not just about three, three colors up. You know what I'm saying? Like there's all different, even though they're gamers, they still take the time to do non-metallic metals on their armies and stuff along those lines. So to, I've always, I, I guess... I've kind of in the in that world stopped uh, thinking about it anymore, right? And I know Banshee and I got into it a little bit in his class about that, like about you know why 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 are you so focused on saying that word art when it's there anyways, right? It's already there, and even if you tell somebody it's art, if they don't think it's art, you're not changing their mind, right? 
you know, and it's not, I hope I'm not coming across as confrontational or anything. I'm not, uh, I, it's just something I've been, I, I think about this a lot too. And I wish my co-host was here because he's actually married to an art teacher. And yeah. So... I, I, I think for me, if I can reply to that, it's mm-hmm. beca- the, the reason why I'm also sort of insisting that it's, it's art. And I really don't like calling it craft. What we do is because it, I, in my opinion, uh, it sets people free. You know, it, if we, okay. we sort of mm. all the way, always just push it down to what we're doing is putting uh, miniatures on toys. And we, in Denmark, we call it dolls. And it, we sort of uh, yeah. place it in this uh, banal uh, little uh, uh, pastime activity instead of something that we actually really care about. So, and it's also if people um, sort of all the time are talked to as if they're just doing crafty stuff, then they might be hesitant to play free. And that's, for me, that's a really important thing to be able to play free without worry and without, uh, there's so much stuff that we do and because social media is a, a big part of a hobby and we constantly think about um, the uh, receiver, the, the, the people seeing it. And if the people seeing it are someone who, uh, neglects the art part of it then uh we sort of always we're all stuck in this rut of just uh, like uh, guides to nmm from a to b so that's why i like the idea that we we talk the art up and we say this is part of our hobby um and we appreciate it for that obviously Mm -hmm. it's not that important if we call it one thing or the other but it's really Mm -hmm. important for me that we don't call it only craft Mm. Uh, yeah Okay, so, the art the art is freedom thing is a compelling art that that is very compelling. Yeah, that is, the way the way you phrase that is a very compelling. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna have to think about that because now you also just wrote my little better, braver, happier thing at the end. So thank yeah, you. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, I mean, but no, it's, that's it's great. an important no. point. If we if thank we're you. going to play free and be happy about it and not worry so much and be braver, then we need to. Uh, be able to show our emotions without fear of someone calling it silly, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, like I said, it took me several years to, to be able to do that. And just, and I still worry, I still worry about when I do stuff, uh, is this too much? Do people, will they, you know, and what I found out throughout the years is the, the more I put my heart into it, the more people react to it. It's like I remember reading a guide on giving massages at one point. It's basically sorry about this analogy. I really am, but it's uh, right. if you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I will we'll finish this. Uh, we'll finish this okay. sentence. But if you're giving a massage, then if you you're conscious about what you think the other person will will want, then it's not going to work. You basically have to sort of explore the body and find out. Oh, this feels nice on both parts and interact. You know, and so. Yeah. Uh, uh, if if you're painting miniatures and you're conscious, constantly conscious about what sorry that was a shitty analogy but no, if you, it's you're, all right. you're conscious it's, about... it's a great analogy it's very very clear and direct what what you're it talking is. about yeah. it's a very yeah. intimate it could have topic. been something else but you know, you know. but if uh, if if you're constantly worried about how it will be received in the art world and you have uh, a lot of people insisting that uh, we're p- painting toys then you can't play free that's just not possible so and it it requires a shitload of uh, of bravery to be able to play free and it really really does and um and yeah 
that was fun. I can remember um, a while back, Jakob, when, when you kind of came to the realization that you didn't need to show people your projects. Yeah, you, you, I could see it, like you had this like sparkle in your eye. It's like, it was like a weight yeah. was off your shoulders and you're like, <laughs> all yeah. right, you know, like I don't have to show people projects. And then yeah. like, it, you know, it's, it's my choice. I remember that point actually because straight after I saw this joke on that's I was like on a, a joke Facebook thing and it said like uh, someone had run a marathon and didn't post it on Facebook <laughs> and I thought that was so funny <laughs> because it's basically if you tell someone paint this miniature but you cannot show it to anyone people go what what because because we paint for competitions we paint for uh, you know showing it on putty and paint or Instagram or Facebook and that's Basically, it always has a, 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 like a, an end receiver, some sort of purpose. So like I remember Tua told me about some wood artist who did like uh, hundreds of beautiful uh, wooden carvings uh, of f figures in his garden. And when he died, people discovered them. I'm pretty sure that this story is not relevant because of his art, but because he didn't show it to anyone. So, so mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's the interesting part of it. Like, because the next notion would be, why would you do it if you don't show it to anyone? So the, uh, perhaps the greatest, uh, like, um, exercise you could possibly do is find some sort of voice that you want to portray, but the exercise is whatever you do, you destroy it. You don't show it to anyone. You put it in a bottom shelf because, that would sort of uh, test what is it you're trying to do. Why are you in this hobby? Sometimes you see people who post online and saying, uh, I'm in this rut. I can't find my painting motivation. Maybe you just don't want to paint at the moment, you know? And maybe right. it's because you're thinking too much about how the receiving is and what the level is and stuff like that. If you're stuck in painting, don't. I mean, if it's a drive that you have that you want to do, it's not I'm not saying that competitions have no merit and it, it doesn't. I mean, I like to put stuff on party and paint and I like to interact. But at some like people sometimes tell me that it's great that you sort of try to push boundaries and stuff. I would never do that. I, it's the exact opposite. I would try to not inhibit myself by thinking, like, how would people receive it and try to like really stay strong in not letting that sort of limit me. So to to create something that is sort of displaying my inner self that is what takes bravery and uh, to be able to do that so I, I, i'm just clapping Jakob. that's beautiful that's uh, <laughs> that, that is a fantastic uh story right there it is absolutely well absolutely yeah i don't know where to go after that damn you know because that's uh you know and, and it's you don't have to paint everything for a competition you can just paint for yourself you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's where I think people lose themselves a lot in focusing on, I use competitions as deadlines, right? Yeah, that way yeah, I, yeah. I can actually get shit done. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. other, otherwise, uh, what is it? Roman says there is no such thing as a completed, only an abandoned project. Yeah. Um, and, and so. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Anyways. And it's but also, I, yeah, sorry, Andrew. I, I, think, I think it is important to sort of make the remark that like this kind of conversation that we just having is, is not something that everybody responds to because we we are diverse we are coming to this hobby for different reasons sure. so I, I think it's more about like putting out the flag hey you can do this too uh like uh it's it's available it's in this community don't feel uh 
uh, uncomfortable or unsafe about it, it's received. So we can sort of allow people who like this kind of thing to explore it. Um, Because it's not, as you say, it's, you're trying to say, it's not all about uh, the craft, just vice versa. It's not all about art either. We're all coming here because we love uh, painting miniatures or making miniature projects and showing it to, to each other in one form or another, or actually just, just doing it because we like it. And that, yeah. that's totally okay. Um, it's like Banshee. I li- re-listened to the episode before we started this talk. I, I listened to it today <laughs> and yesterday. And uh, he, he speaks about this, that he likes all these different musical genres existing. You don't have to lift, listen to heavy metal, but it's nice mm. that it's there, so it gives you the option. That's sort of the same thing. Uh, it, you can appreciate that that people really paint like uh, David Sobel. We spoke about that earlier. I would never paint like that, but I I really love it. I hear sometimes uh, Manus Fairbairn, Magnus. He he speaks about like because he paints in a very muted, beautiful palette. He has perfected his styles over years, and it's very much his own. But he, he sometimes says that people joke around that hey, you hear something with color, you know, and he says, I, I love things with color. I just don't paint it like that. But yeah. I love seeing how people express themselves with color. I get blown away by it. It's just not how I paint. And that's right. a beautiful way of saying it. I, I'm jaw dropped when I see David Sober's stuff and uh, just about anybody, really. I mean, I mm-hmm. took maybe 10 minutes uh, looking at the. Uh, the the beautiful best of show uh from monte that was right next to my <laughs> on open <laughs> i placed it next to andrew's because i thought it would complement the beautiful colors in his it was like pink and uh, it was fantastic <laughs> and then yeah that showed up and <laughs> so, yeah 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 eric's got a different it's it's uh, an interesting how early he is in his painting career and how fastly he developed his style Right, like I can tell an Eric piece now, yeah. to, like just just by glancing at it at this point, you know, which is amazing. And so, um, yeah. yeah, but I, but I think these guys they're cheating a little bit, right? Because <laughs> um, we, we, it, this is actually going back to like the having more open um, sculptures or open pos- uh, community or, or however you want to call it, because. There are a lot of people that have come in over COVID or over the past four years that are coming with um, design or art backgrounds. Right. So, so they they actually know where they want to be. Like they want to do this kind of project. Mm-hmm. They just have to learn the tool set, the tool set to get there. <laughs> it, it's it, that's a lot easier than compared to my, me, for example. Uh, I only just discovered art, what art was in the past, you know, like six years as I've been painting. Uh, so I've sort of uh, had to figure out, okay, what is the nice design and composition stuff at the same time as trying to learn the tool set. So I, I feel that he's, he's doing amazing. It's. <laughs> I, it's just incredible what he's doing. No, not saying that isn't the case, but you know, it's just, it's just yeah. <laughs> right. sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they all come back. You know, it's always interesting. Like, there's an American painter, Shoshi Bauer, who is a watercolorist. Mm. You know, a trained watercolorist. And there's a couple others. Our last interview, Zambies, was a 2D graphic designer. And so I'm like, damn it, y'all came in with the color theory loaded, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, I mean, it just means we have more stuff, more interesting things to discover, right? Exactly. We have more things to learn. We have more fun than them. 
sure. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, you know, go, um, go ahead, Jake. Oh, yeah, yeah I, was just, I was just going to make a, a point. I was just um, thinking along the same lines that I was ranting on before. But I have a, a another anecdote about uh, miniatures. Uh, I just linked to the Night of the Crap Order by uh, Dimitri Pesetchko. And sadly, I can't speak to Dimitri at the moment because all the channels are shut down to. And Dimitri, if somehow you're listening, we love you, brother, and we look forward to having you visit again. Uh, anyways, the um, the Night of the Crab Order uh, is another good example because what he did was actually a study on a certain topic, NMM, and it mm -hmm. uh, blew everyone's mind when it came. But look at that crab's eye, that you, uh, that crab claw and the eye on the shield. That's actually re uh, really interesting because that puzzled me. Why, why would he do this? And then he told me that this carries the secret to, the, to life and the world. And he said, I'll tell you the story one day, but I saw this in a vision when I woke up on New Year's Day. And then he sent me the drawing of it. I still have not heard that story, but that really is something really artsy and beautiful that I have yet to experience. And I have that miniature right here. You can't see it because it's a podcast, but I have <laughs> That is my favorite model in the world anyways there it's just it so might be a, a study of nmm and it that might be the purpose of it but he hides little easter eggs oh yeah it's Secrets all over i'm life, seeing that you know yeah. the yeah. uh the tonal harmony in that is just amazing it is it's like mind-blowing it, i mean it's not so it's an interesting god looking at that it's like it kind of defies a, a lot of stuff that you think automatically about contrast. You know what I mean? Because it's using muted colors, muted complementary colors to create kind of that pop to a degree. Yeah. You know, so I'm just I'm like, I'm sorry. Can, this is one I have never seen before. And so really? I am bookmarking this and... Oh, uh, lost um, to learn and discover. Yeah, supposedly, yeah, I'm going to tell you another anecdote about this. Supposedly, <laughs> this was a sort of a game between Kirill and Dimitri that originated on some vodka-induced evening. That <laughs> um, because uh, <laughs> Kirill made the first sort of NMM, the 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 night with the, he he spray painted it chrome and he sort of took sort of uh, and then. Uh, this is sort of a sorry it's a it's a it's a story i got from dimitri i cannot verify it but it's cool uh and this, then these uh, are like the, the conversations you have at night in the yeah, middle of like yeah, 5 a.m exactly. at Monty, right I mean, you know, after people will like these small stories and so so he did the first uh in a moment he spray painted one chrome and then took pictures of it and tried to paint how that reflection looked realistic and it was amazing but it had the reflection of its inside house. So uh, Dimitri said, "Well, you can't do that. You have to paint it sort of in a uh, in a in a sort of forest or something with the uh, mm -hmm. environment." And Kirill supposedly said, "Well, if you're so smart, why don't you go do that?" And he made this. So they sort of <laughs> spent uh, like uh, a while, and that's why uh, Kirill had that uh, period of doing mind-blowing NMM, is perfecting right. that style with the reflection all around. And if you you read his uh, giant uh, manual book, uh, the Bible. There's uh, like a guides on how to do that that uh, few people can actually follow because it's 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 amazing. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. So so it's just a, well the example was just to take something that's mm -hmm. NMM that's NMM crafty and really that is the study of it, but then to hide all the artsy stuff there for those interested who can find. 
at the at uh, the class I took with Banshee in April, um, he was going off about a, uh, an argument that he was having with Carol about uh, gold reflecting green, and you know Carol said gold does not reflect green. They're like they're battling, arguing, and then like the the conversation, the fight ends. Then Carol two days posts a, a figure with gold in it that's reflecting green and banshee's like you mother you know like yeah, like yeah 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 exactly <laughs> i heard that one too yeah, yeah. but it's <laughs> a good point his point with it though and that's a that's a really good point was that since you might not consciously know the rule but your brain does so if you do something that defies reality that means that your brain does not read it as the material anymore so you have right. to learn the rules in order to break them and exactly. people spend too little time trying to learn the rules. Uh, so that was sort of his point, I think. Yep. Absolutely. Um, oh, absolutely. And it reminds me, there's a, a Stephen King book called On Writing, which is his process of like about, you know, how he writes. And that's like one of the number one things he says is that in order to break the rules of grammar, you have to know the rules of grammar. Right. And so sure. it's kind of it's an interesting it's kind of the same thing in in art and so we're at like uh an hour and a half here guys so i don't want to keep you too much longer but i do want to make sure that we uh uh get prop you know our, our motto question out there and so um uh, wade why don't we start with you is there some um advice that you can give our listeners as they continue their journeys to become better braver happier painters yeah um this this sort of advice doesn't really fit everyone, but it definitely works for me, and I know it works for some of us out there. So if you're out there, um, try to allow yourself to be comfortable in the unknown, right? And don't don't let it hold your back, and just sort of try to view all of these toolkits or all of this theory and all the different combinations of miniatures and topics and animals or abstract or realistic all this huge plethora of, of a playground to be a playground and it'd be an opportunity for you to discover things along the way and just allow you just be comfortable with that um, rather than seeing it as, as something that could stress you that you haven't learned everything yet. There's a lot of adventure out there for you and it's, it's always changing, but that's also exciting as well. That's sort of what I would like to say. Brilliant. I like it a lot. Now, your turn, Jakob. So advice. Uh, I was thinking about that uh, yesterday that um, I remember Paul Simon said that uh, in, a, in a song is that if you want to be a writer, uh, don't know how, find a, for a quiet place and a humble pen or something like that. So it's basically the same is to figure out why you want to paint and, and just uh, pursue that. Uh, and try to not worry so much. I have I have uh, some students from time to time who worry a lot about. Uh, it, we measure all the time, and it's it's uh, and try not to do that. Just uh, play. It's like uh, Snoop Dogg says: smoke weed every day. Just don't do that. Paint every day, and just play around and figure out why you want to do that. And so that means you'll the happy side effect is you'll get really good at painting, but the the happier is that you'll like what you do. Or you get really high, right? Yeah, now. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, pain, pain. Don't don't smoke weed. Pain. Yeah. Don't drink pain thinner. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, here I'm I'm in Virginia, so it's it's legal here. So um, or decriminalized. Right. Right. So you know it's okay to say it. You know if yeah. you're in Virginia, you know anywhere here. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. That's legal. Otherwise, don't. Uh, for sure. <laughs> Um, so why don't then why don't we do this? Make sure that our listeners know where to find you. So uh, Jakob, why don't we start with you this time? Uh, can you tell us where to find you on social media? 
Uh, yes. Uh, I'm not all that much on social media. I'm called Pink Label Studio. Um, and I'm on Facebook and on Instagram, but not a lot on Instagram. I use use Instagram mostly to follow other people. But Putty and Paint is the best place for seeing all of my stuff. Perfect. Andrew? Yeah, for me, it's uh, a stroke o luck. Uh, either on Facebook or on Instagram, you'll find my stuff there. Uh, my Instagram one is more of a gallery. Um, I just put up finished works. While the uh, the Facebook page is is a little bit more of a random chronicle of what they come up to. So if you like more lengthier. Uh, write-ups or see random photos of what a, a work in progress and all that kind of stuff, that's the place to go. And of course, you can uh, also find me on Putty Paint. All right. So what's next for you guys? What, uh, you just got back from Mani. Um, any projects lined up or looking forward to another convention coming around the corner? What, what What's on your agenda? I have a sort of odds and ends and different projects that I've abandoned for various reasons that I, I want to pick one of those, like the, the paint running down the face thing. I'd want to do that. And, uh, but, uh, also have some box arts coming up and then I have some of my own Norlus miniatures that I need to paint for future releases that I have around the corner. Uh, wait a minute. You didn't, uh, Nordly miniatures where, uh, oh, yeah. compete. Yeah. Make sure, uh, give us a little lowdown on Nordly and, uh, where we can buy some uh it's called uh norlus uh, miniatures uh maybe like uh yeah um if, if you find me you will find that stuff because i link to it obviously that's that's the way it goes uh and it has a web page and, and you get to and it's mostly like con it's contemporary stuff and not a lot of historical a little bit of fantasy but mostly like everyday non-war situation with people around the globe that uh, is sort of peaceful and often with animals and stuff like that. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Andrew, how about you? Yeah, well, uh, I'm actually feeling pretty fresh and really rock and roll because it's been three years of, of get, uh, gathering projects. For World Miller Expo, I took 25 projects. So so now I'm, I'm kind of like happy to sort of like, okay, that phase is gone. It's done. They're, they're in the cabinet now. I'm not bringing them anywhere else. Let's try something new. Um, so I will probably, uh, I'll return to sculpting. Uh, I've been slowly learning sculpting of figures uh, over the past year or two years, actually. Um, I'll spend a couple of months or maybe three months on that until I get frustrated and, and I'll do some painting. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, I have to tell you, I just put the Wanderer in a shopping cart. Oh, no, you're out of stock. Yeah, so I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You got any if, secret copies? I, uh, I don't, actually. But I, I, I thought about, see, that's one of the benefits of making your own miniatures. It's actually uh, out of print, and I'm discussing with myself whether or not it's okay to order 10 more without the base. So, because it's really good for telling stories, and I have at least three that I really want to do, and I don't have any more. So... It, maybe I should just order some cast for myself, but uh, people don't like when you have something that's deleted that suddenly shows up again. So I don't know. Uh, but if I do, I'll send you one. Well, definitely send me an email. I'll definitely buy. I will definitely buy it. I love that. And my I have uh, my middle, my youngest child is a hardcore dog person. So um, yeah. I know I know where that will end up on her shelf. You know. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed enjoyed talking with you, and uh, 
I, I feel like I've got uh, new uh, new international family members for sure. Yeah, mm. I, it was highly enjoyable for me too, and it's good to discuss all these kind of uh, yeah uh, hard topics sometimes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I could go for another five hours. Uh, I think if you got Jakob and I on the in the Monty streets, uh, yeah, it'd be a long conversation. But yeah, it was really good having this uh, discussion with with both of you. Thanks for the time. Dan and I would like to thank Jakob Villian of Pink Label Studios and Nordly Miniatures, as well as Andrew Wade of A Stroke of Luck for joining us. Gentlemen, what a fantastic episode. Thank you so much for the conversation. Um, I also uh, want to apologize. We're out a little bit later than I wanted to be, uh, such is life. But anyways, it was such a wonderful opportunity to uh, hear your perspective on painting and uh, all the different things that we chatted about. Uh, follow them on Paint and Putty at the respective names. The links will be in the show notes. You can follow us at listening to paint dry at instagram and facebook our handle on youtube is listening to paint dry as well we're also on twitter at dry listening like subscribe follow wherever you get your podcast from and if you could leave a five-star review we'd greatly appreciate it that helps get the podcast uh out to a more more listeners as we'll also want to say thank you to all our listeners uh, for sticking with us and we really appreciate all you do for the show and the key thing to remember is Be free to be a better, braver, happier painter. Until next time.